Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com. It's a Reaction Monday, presented by Superbook.com. Here's Orlando Franklin and Chad Brown to break down yesterday's win over Houston. Wilson has time. Looking deep. Has a man wide open. It's A breakdown in the Texans secondary. And Cortland Sutton moves the chains. A 35-yard game. Play fake. Wilson taking a shot deep for his tight end. And what a catch. Eric Silver with a touchdown. Texans just two for ten on third down. Pressure coming. Middles in triple. And down he goes. Draymond Jones, the first to get him. Singleton fell on top. Lovey Smith will punt with Cameron Johnston. And there was no punt returner back for Denver, and they had to call a timeout. Unbelievable. How does that happen? How do you not have a returner go out? Russell Wilson started the game 6 out of 20. Since then, 6 for 6. Play clock expiring, and a timeout called by Denver. Out of timeouts with 7.38 to go in the ballgame. I mean, between the clock management, the penalties, red zone, goal to go, it has been a real rough start for Nathaniel Hackett. There it is, fourth down and 11. Mills throws, incomplete, intended for Cooks, and the Broncos are going to win the ballgame. Happy Monday to you. Chad Brown. Is it happy? Well, it's always a happy Monday. Is it a victory Monday is the question. You you got the win, but is it really a victory Monday? Victory! It's not. Okay. All right. Well, that voice you hear is Orlando Franklin filling in for my partner, Nate Jackson. Oh, man. Uh, We got a chance to hear some of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Some of the highlights there that just played from yesterday's ball game. Oh, man. Um... There is a saying in locker rooms, big O, uh, it's fine to make a mistake. Do not be a mistake repeater. Make your mistakes. No one's ever played a perfect game. No one's ever coached a perfect game. That would be an unrealistic expectation. It's it's impossible. Football's too many variables, too many this, too many that. So we can't set our standards that high. But we can expect for you not to make the mistakes over and over and over. When you as a player... When you repeat your mistakes, you tend to not be on the team very long. Uh, up in those coaching meetings that you and I have been a part of, one of the worst labels you can get in the coaching meetings is, you know, uh, and, and this is a assistant coach talking to the head coach. He goes, well, coach, he's a mistake repeater. Yeah. I keep coaching him up, and he keeps making the same mistakes over and over and over. Yeah. Um <laughs> This Bronco team, it, it, it's unique, right? <laughs> It, that that's if I had one word to describe yesterday, it's 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 unique. You know, you you see the the trip, like the bells and the whistles of it. Some good, some bad, right? We see like the Cortland Sutton kind of reverse. We we see you know Montreal Washington that that big play that's negated by the holding call. We see you know the 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 uniqueness of you're going to hand the ball to Andrew Beck and. You know, and have an option with him and Javante Williams. Um, so this offense is very, very unique. Um, defensively, I, I thought they were pretty clean. I thought defensively, yes, you want to be able to do certain things in this game and, and go out there and, 
and you know not allow Houston to have as much effectiveness on the ground in the run game. But defensively, I thought they came out and, and they battled through adversity, and there were some good adjustments by Isha Evro, and this defense played pretty good. Special teams thought you were doing a heck of a job, heck of a day, until you had to call a timeout because nobody was back there to return. Um, offensively, it's just an emotional roller coaster ride right now here in Bronco country because you see you have the quarterback to make the throws. Let's be honest. The interception throw that Cortland Sutton didn't come down with, there's probably one of there's probably ten guys in the National Football League that could make that that throw and put the ball where it needs to be to give the receiver an opportunity to catch it. The Eric Saubert touchdown, heck of a throw by Russell Wilson. But, you know, for me, I sat here last week, Chad, on these airways talking to you on Friday, and I said I'd be perfectly fine if the Broncos completely flipped it and, and ran the ball 40 times in this game and they only threw it around 20 times. And it looked like to me yesterday that that's what they should have been doing. You should have been relying a little bit more on the run game. Uh, so thank you for the synopsis. But uh, come on, man. You can't just bury the lead and just talk about uh, the the good and the bad there. What The fans booed this football team. Many times. Not in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Very early. Not in the, the third quarter. Not right before halftime when maybe they, you know they, they took it they they took a knee because you know we didn't we didn't have enough time we didn't have the right play calling they start booing this team in the first quarter. Mm. Russell Wilson booed last week mm. in Seattle yes. makes sense. Okay, it makes sense. Place Russell Wilson never been booed before. Now first home game for Russell Wilson. The team and Russ yeah. get booed starting in the first quarter. Yesterday, so yeah. while we are trying to have a it's reasonable take here, no, but it's 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 different. It it is different. Russell Wilson got booed in Seattle, right? It is different because it was Russell Wilson, right? Uh, in the first quarter, the boos that were coming out—that's not for Russell. Wilson. They, they, those were not for Russell Wilson. Yes. They were boos for Russell Wilson during the game yes. yesterday when he was six for twenty passing and not good enough, really struggling to find some accuracy. Um, yeah, there were boos that were directed at Russell Wilson yesterday. So this crowd has come into this season, this Bronco fan base, with a, a level of expectation that this team, despite getting the win, there's no asterisks with win. You take every win. You don't ever apologize for win. At the end of the season, you know, no one's going to look at this and go, oh, it only counts for half of a win. No, it's a win. You got the W. You found a way to get it done. But you and I know that's not good enough out there. There was so much low percentage football, so much football one-on-one that was not achieved uh, particularly after the mistakes of last week, to repeat them here again in week two. Uh, that's not a formula for success, what we saw out there. Yeah, I but agree. This, but this fan base, the expectations, they feel as if they've been sold something that they're not getting. The expectations were so high that now there is disappointment mm. with what the product is on the field. Yeah, so uh, I agree. You know, when you look at this football team, and when you look at how it's being operated and you look at the struggles, thank goodness you're playing the Houston Texans week two. And the Houston is a bad football team because when you just cut on the tape and you look at the Broncos, it does not look like what's been talked about this offseason. It does not look like, hey, this offense is going to be more innovative and it's going to be up and down. It just looks like the same old Broncos that have been here for the last couple years. Heck, to me... I rather even 
Joe Flacco when he was here in the red zone. There was times where it looked a lot more efficient than what I saw yesterday. So looking at this football team, looking at what it's been sold, Bronco country is fed up, and it doesn't matter that it's Russell Wilson. I think because of it being Russell Wilson, that's why you get the booze so early. That's why it's completely changed as far as Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke, Case Keenum, Joe Flacco, those guys go. Because you had to give up what you gave up for Russell Wilson, made him the second highest paid player in the National Football League, this city, this state, expects better. And they should expect better because what the Broncos are putting out right now is nowhere good enough. (sighs) On the list of issues, we got... Delay of game penalties, miscommunication on offense, poor red zone performance. Heck, couldn't get the proper number of guys on the field. Uh, when we come back, oh, I want to rank these issues uh, and perhaps discuss what's the most easily fixable of these issues. That will be next. It's a Reaction Monday, presented by Superbook.com. Here's Orlando Franklin and Chad Brown to break down yesterday's win over Houston. I'd be booing myself. I mean, I was getting very frustrated. I mean, get down to the red zone two times, don't get another touchdown, which is unbelievably frustrating. I don't think we've scored in there yet. That's something that all of our guys got to step it up, whether we run the ball more, whether whatever we're doing, we just got to execute at a higher level. Coach Hackett uh, stating the facts after the first two games for the Denver Broncos. Execution at a higher level. Um, I won't even try to kill that quote that uh, Brian Kelly killed last year when uh, John McKay was asked about his Tampa Bay Buccaneers execution, and he said he was in favor of it. Um. <laughs> Our entire team needs to be executed after tonight. Yeah, oh, wow. yeah, that was uh, poor by Brian Kelly. Didn't quite get the quote correct. Um, big O, I threw out there, uh, of these issues plaguing the Denver Broncos in the first two games, uh, what do you think is the most serious of all the issues? 25 penalties in two games. Team record. The miscommunication uh, from the sideline onto the field, particularly on offense. Um, some of these special team coaching decisions slash coaching errors, making sure the right guys are on the field. Or the poor red zone performance. Mm. Um what say you? For me, it's got to be miscommunication. Okay. Because I truly believe when you are communicating better, um, when your quarterback feels like you are at the top of your communication with uh, head coach, who's the play caller, Nathaniel Hackett, calling the plays into Russ, when you're communicating at the best that you can, those red zone wild woes will get better. Okay. Those red zone woes will, will help out. Mm-hmm. Um, the penalties... It's expected. When you when you have a training camp, the way that this football team had training camp, I get it. I, I, trust me, I, I look at a guy specifically, Chad, as Randy Gregory, and I'm excited to pick your gr- brain about Randy Gregory because you played that position. Mm-hmm. But I watched uh, always too high to make a tackle, not being able to take a guy to the ground. Mm-hmm. I, I doesn't look like this guy has played football in a very, very long time, mm-hmm. right? And it shows. So mm-hmm. I look at these penalties, and, and some of these penalties are going to come because of the straight fact of how you approach training camp, but also when you have a coach that comes in and is trying to be a little bit too much of a buddy-buddy person, there are guys that are trying to, to go out there and get their job done, but 
you haven't strained and did these things in training camp and done it at the right the right way at a high level when you weren't feeling good or you weren't feeling a hundred percent. So the penalties that as the season goes on for me will get better, but for me right now, it's the miscommunication. I think that's fair. I think that's fair because the the, the overall effect that the miscommunication has. The penalty is the result of so often uh, we're scrambling, uh, we're, we're, not, we're not set, therefore we get a false start, therefore we get a delay of game, therefore an offensive lineman holds because he's not sure what's about to happen, the communication's not set, therefore the question, mark, the question marks in the players' heads, they can't go out and execute as cleanly. The legal chop block. Melvin Gordon, right? Yes. Melvin Gordon goes and he's going to go chop the guy. He's like, oh my goodness, this is a big guy. But Glasgow's trying to come back to that. Right. And that's just, you guys haven't done it enough at a fast speed. And you guys don't understand exactly what your assignment is or that the fact that Glasgow's going to get there that I don't need to cut him right now. Okay. Well, let's take it one layer deeper then. So if miscommunication is the biggest issue, which then has effect in the red zone, which then has an effect on the penalties. And the miscommunication is a result of something. And that result of something, according to you, Orlando, if I heard you correctly, is you didn't play your guys in the preseason. So this desire, the number one goal for Coach Hackett coming out of training camp was to be healthy. Yeah. This number one desire, which now played a couple of games, now you've got a couple of guys banged up and out. Uh, this is the way football works, as you and I well know. So this desire to do this, which is virtually impossible, to keep guys healthy when playing the game of football. There was a there was a reward of, okay, hopefully I can keep my guys healthy. But the risk is now what we're seeing on the football field. Mm. Lack of red zone uh, efficiency, the penalties, uh, some of the poor tackling. Mm. Uh, you mentioned Randy Gregory playing a little bit high, uh, getting losing the edge, uh, missing tackles just because he hasn't done enough. Now, of course, he was injured, so it would have been very difficult. He's a difficult example to use, but I think it's still a, a, a you know an example of here's a guy who hasn't played a lot of football, and it shows up with some of his techniques out there because it takes a while to hone those techniques in. So the, the reward is, hey, we're healthy. Yeah. The risk is what we're seeing out there on the football field. Yeah. Now, how quickly can we overcome this? And, again, if you're Coach Hackett, if you're George Payton, heck, if you're the Walden Penner Group, did you, are, are you – just expecting the first two to three games, maybe even four games, to act as an extension of the preseason, and we're all checked off on this, and we're all fine with this. Yeah. Uh, you, you can't be fine with it when the in the National Football League, in the AFC, 10 wins might not be good enough. 10 wins might have you still saying 1-2-3 Cancun. So you cannot be fine with this this what we're what you're watching right now. You cannot be fine using these first couple games saying, okay, it's preseason, because you're already one and one. You dropped a game to Seattle. If it looked ugly against Seattle's Chad, and you're two and, and oh and it looked ugly this week again, yeah, at, at that point you could start maybe saying that, but you're one on one you're one and one. So you, you can't say that. Earlier you talked about the fact of them not playing their guys during preseason. Chad, I could be on I'll be honest with you. I don't care that they didn't play their guys in preseason. I'm a bigger fan of preseason, just training camp. Back in the day when you went to training camp, 
man, when I came out of that after six weeks, I was like, man, I, I'm pretty sure I just lost two weeks of, of my life on the back end of my life. <laughs> like, it's just a grind, and, and you're just there, and you're going through it, and your body, you're building these calluses, and your body doesn't feel good. And the fact that they allowed Dallas to come in here and have one one day where we're going to practice hard, one day against, I would have told Dallas, I would have hung up the phone on them. Mm-hmm. If they said, hey, the plan is to come out there and practice hard against you guys for one day. No, sorry. Looking for a couple days. Looking for how to see how my guys respond the day after. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to build up these calluses. I'm trying to get guys feeling uncomfortable and put them in that position to see how they respond. It's all fun. Justin Simmons, Iron Man, right? 66 starts in a row. He just went through three of the most roughest training camps probably in the National Football League under Vic Fangio. Mm-hmm. But yet he has 66 games in a row. One training camp in Nathaniel Hackett, he's out on short-term IR. Now we saw yesterday the injury to um, the injury to um, Patrick Sertan and mm-hmm. the injury to uh, Jerry Judy. And, and those are guys that this football team has to have. So if you're asking me to trade off to be healthy, to get to the season and have everybody up there. We knew it was going to be sloppy football play. We knew there was going to be issues. I would take the fact of just grinding through training camp and making sure that guys or bodies are calloused enough where they go out there and we're not dropping like flies like the Broncos are right now. Yeah. Nate and I certainly talked about the training camp schedule. And again, I guess, um, yeah, I'm similar to you. I'm less slavish about the games themselves. Yeah, I care less. And more about the, 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 the practice process to toughen and callous yourself. If you don't tackle full speed at all until you start playing games, um, well, then poor tackling is going to show up. Guys are going to tackle high. Guys' technique is not going to be correct. They're not going to bend their knees. They're not going to dip their hips. They're not going to do all that kind of stuff because you didn't do enough full speed work. And um, I have always thought the training camp process was what kept me healthy. Hmm. Within reason. Now, the my rookie year in Pittsburgh with two-a-days in pads for two weeks in a row before we got a day off, mm. that was insane. Yeah. That was, I mean, I don't I what, would have never made it in the, back in the day in the football. 28 league. padded practices yeah. in a row. Yeah. They don't do 28 padded practices in the whole football season. Now. <laughs> we had 28 padded practices in a row yeah. in Pittsburgh. So that was just my rookie year. And then, you know, I think Cowher realized that's a little bananas. Uh, we did make the playoffs that year, <laughs> to his credit. Um, but that process, it toughens you, and it prepares you. Um, and, you know, I'm not prepared to say that uh, Patrick Tan's shoulder injury was a result of poor technique on his part or just a football shoulder injury. But if you go through those padded practices and you toughen yourself, you learn how to put your shoulder in the right spot. You learn how to, you know, deal with a, a, a guy because uh, the running back, Pierce, Mm-hmm. He was bringing it. Yeah. Houston. That dude runs hard. Bell cow. Yeah, that dude and, runs and, hard. And, and um, look at Lovey Smith. They talked about, you know, giving it to Burkhead and, yeah. and Paris would be limited the, the week before playing against Indy. And they said, the heck with that. We're going to give it to him. I'm waiting for the Broncos to do that. Right. The heck with the Melvin Gordon stuff. As soon as Melvin Gordon comes into the game, I know we not, haven't got there yet, Chad, but it just frustrates the heck out of me because I'm watching this football team and I'm watching them have effect. And then all of a sudden, Melvin Gordon comes in on, on the first drive. And then it just starts spiraling and going downhill. But callousing your mind and callousing your body when you have to play a sport that's barbaric is necessary. It's needed. I, I know that it's the science of it all and, and all these different things. 
but there was still a way to use science and still callous your your buying and still callous your body as players. Nathaniel Hackett could have took and subscribed to what Kyle Shanahan does, where you, you do have those hard and medium practices. But when you go to the easy practice, it's not a jog through. Mm-hmm. You're still out there going full speed when your body's not feeling well. You're still going full speed. You're banging, but it's on, you're taking a lot less reps that day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's how you take care of your guys. Not give them a jog through, which, Chad, you know it and I know it. A jog through, you wake up and you see a jog through. <laughs> it, it's like great, like party. Like this is like field day. Right. Like right. I, if you get one of those days, you know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've been on some teams where we put on pads for nine on seven mm. and maybe a special teams period or two, and then the pads came off. Take it off. So, okay, let's get our padded work in. We've still got to maintain our, the sharpness of the sword, but then after that, let's have some, uh, some mental work as well. So there are various ways to accomplish the, you know, uh, the, the positives of the jog-through day where it's not a jog-through because, again, once you, yeah, you look at the schedule, you see jog-through, suddenly your focus is down. Your your preparation is that it's not it's not as serious. It's, it's, it's impossible. Not, it's not a practice, and it's like oh my goodness! Like now you t- like you change exactly what you just said. It's not as serious. You change your mentality. You know, you wake up, you're pissed off. You got to go to work. You got to hit somebody in the mouth. You got to go grind it out. You're not feeling 100. percent All of a sudden, you walk in, you see uh, jog through. It's like yes, yeah, this is great. It's like we're not even having practice today. It's not a real work day yeah. at all. And I know that I'm getting a day off right behind it, or in the next in in, in two days from now. It's an absolute joke, and and you don't allow your body, and and you don't allow these players to to go through adversity because that's what training camp is. Training camp is one big thing where you you, you mash it all up, and you and you're sitting there, and and whether you're a starter or a guy that's a long snapper, it's going through adversity, and how do you bounce back from it? How do you wake up the next day and and go hit somebody in the mouth and recover from what you did the day before? What went into the red zone woes from yesterday? We'll hear from Coach Hackett on that next. But first, we get a chance to hear from Spilly on how the Rockies fared this weekend. It's a Reaction Monday, presented by Superbook.com. Here's Orlando Franklin and Chad Brown to break down yesterday's win over Houston. You know, when we got down there, we wanted to give Cortland a chance early, and it uh, looked like we had the touchdown, and then ended up calling out, and then uh, had the same thing, and we wanted, you know, Russ decided to throw that one on that, and we gave him a go on that one, didn't come down with it, and then when you're in a third down situation, decided to pass it, and that was just kind of that first one. But there were definitely some things that we liked in the pass game because of how they put everybody in the box. In the end, we got to be able to run it down there, we got to run downhill, and might have to run over somebody. I think you and I are, are in favor of the the latter. Run it downhill and run over somebody. Yeah. Uh, but, I, but I did real quick. I yeah. did like what he was talking about mm-hmm. when they did try to go to Cortland Sutton and Cortland didn't wasn't able to come down and the heck with it. They just went at him again because they liked the matchup. And, and I thought that Russ should have did a better job throwing the football. Mm-hmm. But I like the mindset, right? Where hey, we don't care. We're going to line up. We're going to punch it in. I like the mindset, but we definitely need better results. Nowhere near the what I want to see the outcome be in a situation like that. Uh, Broncos this season are, where is my notes here? 0 for 6 inside the 20 as far as scoring touchdowns. Hmm. 0 for 6. Yeah. That's a problem. For a team that started off mini camps doing red zone work. But remember, we don't do 7 on 7 here. And, and seven on seven in the red zone is very valuable, in it, my opinion. It's 
super valuable. I think folks don't realize now, you know, the should you have a better track record of success in the red zone? Of course you should. But the field gets so compressed down there. Defensively, it tilts the field in favor of the defense from a passing standpoint. There is no deep ball to worry about. We're, we're, we're defending the width of the field, not the length of the field. So it starts to tilt it's the advantage towards the defense. Um, the windows become tighter. Uh, it's very difficult to have multiple layers of routes because there's just not enough depth on the field to pull all that off. Um, but still, man, this is a point of emphasis since day one. Yeah, and seven on seven would correct all of that for the simple fact of, yeah, we know it's not real football, but red zone football, especially the way Nathaniel Hackett has played red zone football on third downs in shotgun, red zone football is very affected, very much affected by timing. Mm-hmm. It's all about timing. Yeah. It's all about one, two, three, get it out right now. Those windows are so much smaller in that red area. And the fact that you don't like to do red zone, red seven on seven, it really hurts the timing of Russell Wilson. It really hurts the, how you work these high-low concepts mm-hmm. that the Broncos are trying to implement because every time you go out there, now it's just a new rep. So if the defense throws something different at you, it's something that you have not seen because all you have done is go against your defense every single time. And you don't even have that that parity with your wide receivers and tight ends and running backs at the most crucial part of the football field because you're not using opportunities in practice to go to seven on seven. Okay, well let's let's dig into that a little bit because okay, we talked about lack of callousing in the preseason games and the physical practices. And now we're moving on to another practice issue. Some of these things that we have heard this coaching staff, quote-unquote, doesn't like that are football staples. So there's a reason why 7-on-7 is a football staple. It allows you offensively, without the variable of the offensive line, defensive line, blitzes and all those things, it allows you the chance to work on your pass game, your timing, your spacing. Make sure your receivers are at the 12 yards out. He feels very comfortable with the 12 yards out. The quarterback knows where he's going to be. They begin to hone in on some of this. This is what made Peyton Manning so great, is all these seven-on-seven style reps that he would do in the offseason. I, I hated, as a player, yeah. I hated seven-on-seven period. Because for offensive linemen and yeah. defensive linemen, we're doing one-on-ones. Right. <laughs> so I hated that period, but I know how valuable it was. And when you have a guy like Peyton, seven-on-seven could be for eight minutes. Right. Or it could be for 15 minutes, but depending on if the players are not getting it right. Because he wants to be perfect. He want, It has to be precise because you don't have a lot of time to think, and those windows are so small. That's where that Peyton precision came from was repeated reps of seven-on-seven all the time. So everybody offensively knew exactly where to go. That's where Peyton developed his trust. That's where he worked on the young guys. That was Those, those seven-on-seven opportunities, in my mind, are invaluable, particularly for a new offense and a new quarterback, breaking in new receivers, because you can have so many of the other variables removed, and it's just purely the connection, the timing between the quarterback and the receivers. Even... Defensively, you obviously have to have a defense out there for seven on seven. I don't think there's a lot necessarily defensively to be learned all the time, um, but I understand the value of it for an offense. So I understand why it's a staple of football practices. And again, now we're we're tossing out football staples, tackling during training camp, seven on seven, 
one-on-ones between uh, offensive line and D-line, one-on-ones between tight ends and linebackers, one-on-ones between receivers and DBs. Running back and line, blitz and linebackers yes. as well. We're tossing all that out uh, because for what? For why? What? What is? What, what, why, is it has, why has it been a staple for decades? Because it's a part of the game. That's how you have success in this league. Okay, because those drills, and I'm, I'm, I'm asking the question, you know, uh, hypothetically or yeah. more facetiously than hypothetically, these are staples of the game because they are elements of the game that you have to execute at a high level to be successful. And once you start eliminating these from practice, how do you have success doing those things during the game. Yeah. And so my pushback wasn't, oh, I'm an old man and get off my lawn and you should go through practices like I went through. It had nothing to do with that during training camp. It's like this is a path to success that is that road is so well grooved into the earth. This is a path to success. Can you vary that from from left side to right side of the road? Can you change it up a little bit? Can you do this? Yes, of course you can. Every coach is going to have his own mix. But once you start ignoring and dismissing these staples of football, then you get what shows up on the field. And we saw that on Monday and yesterday. Yeah. And I, I think that you could take a – I think that when it comes to it right now, Chad, here we are, and the Broncos are a 500-football team, right? And they had an opportunity to win against Seattle. I think if you went in that locker room and you asked all 53 players on that roster, do you believe hey, – off the record, of course, right? Can't throw anybody under the bus. Do you believe that 7-on-7 seven seven would have benefited this football team during training camp? And everyone in that locker room, to a man, would say yes. I truly believe that. When you have Russell Wilson, I know that he has the legs, right? That's a bonus, the fact that he could extend plays. But you want to be on schedule. If you're not on schedule, a lot of other bad things start to happen. The possibility of giving up a sack, possibilities of giving up a, a, a big hit on the quarterback, uh, possibilities of everybody just being covered up. If you're able to stay on schedule and just work in within the timing of the offense each and every play, this offense will be efficient. This offense will move the football. This offense will, will stop having the miscommunications. It stalls out because you haven't done enough behind the scenes to prepare your guys for Sunday football when the lights come on. All right. Uh, we've delved pretty deeply into the bad, but it was not all bad. Uh, a wide receiver stepped up and had a big day. The de- the defense certainly was resilient, held the uh, Texans out of the end zone. So we'll dive into the good. You know, that's next. It's a Reaction Monday, presented by Superbook.com. Here's Orlando Franklin and Chad Brown to break down yesterday's win over Houston. Big O, there's always two sides to every coin. Uh, We spend most of the show going into the negatives here. Uh, But there, there were some positives out there yesterday. Uh, first up on the list, Corlin Sutton, seven receptions, 120 plus, uh, was certainly the, uh, maybe outside of Javante, the 
uh, lone bright spot, essentially, on the Broncos' offense. Yeah, monster game for Cortland. You know, um, went out there and showed you the attitude, showed you that you could go up and get the football. Obviously, you're never going to be perfect. There's always going to be blemishes on the record. Want to see him pull it down with that interception or come down with it. You know, that would have been, you know, that's a big-time play. That That's how you take the next step. That's how you start being noticed by every one of these teams in the National Football League that you mean business. So want to see that get, you know, him cancel out a situation like that. But anytime you could have seven for 122, huge. Um, the personal foul as well, that's a bad look on Corbin. Yeah. Uh, you, you can't be hurting your football team in a situation like that where the play has nothing to do with you. But other than that, Cortland came and showed up in a big way for this football team. And his ability to draw penalties, man, that's going to be huge for the Broncos going down the road. And, and Russell and his connection, just understanding, hey, there is a, a jump, a false start by the defense. I love when I see the quarterback and the wide receiver on the same page and th- that they go deep in situations like that. With this receiver room, you know, uh, Nate and I talked about that, Nate being a former receiver, that there was an opportunity. He's a tight end. He started off as a receiver, <laughs> then ended up as a tight end with his hand in the dirt. Uh, there's an opportunity for this receiver room. Uh, you know, when people ask me what position I played in football, league, National Football League, yeah. guard. <laughs> Three years of right tackle, last four, and then left guard, guard right. played guard. Okay. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we, we move around as, as time Darren goes on. Brown is an outside linebacker, right? right? Like, that's what he's going to be all yeah. of his life now? Yeah. He's, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, the opportunity to create a connection to be Russell's go-to guy was out there. It was kind of a fresh slate for all these wide receivers. Now, of course, there'd be you know certain guys who would be most likely the guy to get the opportunities because of playtime experience, skill set, and all that. And so I think everybody much considered uh, the possibility that it was most likely going to be Russell Wilson. I'm mean, sorry, Corlin Sutton. Yeah. Yeah, that would create this connection. Um, He's been there the longest, right? Him yes. and Russ have the most connection from day one. He was the number one wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And then Tim Patrick was out there. And, it, and remember, when Tim Patrick got hurt in training camp, that's when Jerry Judy started getting those reps. So right. Cortland and Russell Wilson probably have uh, 1,000 to 1,500 more reps than everybody else to, to be able to have that that connection and, mm-hmm. and build up that rapport between each other. Yeah, so it seems that that's, that's going to be the case. Now with the injury to Jerry Judy, uh, we're asking some other guys to step up. So I think the dependence, the conscious thought, if I'm Russ, I'm breaking the huddle, um, looking for Cortland is only, is only going to be higher yeah. over the next couple of weeks. What route does, does Cortland have again? Okay, yes. what, where is he in the progression again? Okay, yeah, that's the first thing you're thinking after calling the play in the huddle and jogging to the line of scrimmage if you're Russell Wilson. Right, and the fact, the fact that Cortland stepped up with a big game this last week, as you pointed out, uh, his ability to draw penalties is a big thing. Uh, as a receiver, if you are a big-bodied receiver, uh, there's just some advantages with that. Most defensive backs just simply aren't going to be your size. You have a uh, indefensible skill set because you are just simply a bigger human being than they are. So there's a number of, of advantages to uh, Corlin Sutton's yeah, game. Russ got to protect him a little bit better. Too, yeah. Now. now that throw down the middle, which ended up being the interception, uh, great effort mm. by Corlin. But you know, Rush, you threw him to the middle of a team meeting, yeah. man. That was there were four Texans defenders. 
around Cortland Sutton. That was a I, team meeting. I'm talking about the one before that, where <laughs> Cortland almost got finished for the end of the year, where it's right, he's catching that ball right at the line of scrimmage, coming oh, from behind. And the, and the, yes, and, he cut it from behind. Yeah, yeah you yeah. know, you, you got to recognize, hey, they're blitzing right now. You're going to have one free. You got to check out of that play, Russ. You, you got to start communicating better at the line of scrimmage and know that, hey, if they're blitzing from there, there's going to be somebody also replacing right. there as well. Mm-hmm. And you could have, you know, just absolutely ended Cortland for the whole year. I was like, whoa, when I saw it, right? Mm-hmm. And right to the knee and everything. And it's in that territory where you're like, you're, like for me, you know, my heart skipped a beat right. when I saw it. So, uh, Russ, Russ got to do a little bit better job of protecting him. But I will, uh, for me, Every time I see a penalty on a wide receiver, especially in a run game, it just it just irks me and just pisses me off. <laughs> especially when these guys are doing the drill where they're holding the chairs and that's supposed to help you move your feet. Like, what, what the heck happened right there? Because, you know, you negated a, a big-time explosive run that Javante Williams right. had. But Cortland did have a day because he has the numbers and mm-hmm. he's drawing the penalties. But it, there's so much more, right? That, that's mm-hmm. the thing. Like, I feel like yesterday what we saw to Cortland Sutton – we scratched the surface. There, there's so much more that he could be in the National Football League and to the Broncos this year. Yeah, and that's that's where I was going to go with this. Was not you know uh, all you know kudos and praise for yesterday. Uh, guys, you know, got banged up. You became the focal point. You stepped up as you should. But to your point, uh, as the season goes along, I think that connection will grow stronger between Russ and Cortland. And he will become a more staple, bigger part of this offense. And as you prepare to play the Broncos as, a, as an opponent, uh, you're going to spend extra time watching Cortland Sutton tape because he becomes such an integral piece as to what we do here. All right. Uh, the defense helped uh, or kept the Texans out of the end zone. Uh, Draymond Jones stepped up with uh, two sacks, was uh, nice and physical, uh, particularly with that inside pass rush. Uh, what do you think about the defense? Now, of course, Houston Texans. No one's going to say they're, they're world beaters out there. No one's going to think that Davis Mills is suddenly a Patrick Mahomes. But at the same time, you, you only can play who you can play. Yep. And you, you know, again, there's no asterisks on your win. There's no asterisks as far as your defensive performance. Keeping an NFL team out of the end zone. Brandon Cooks should have caught that touchdown pass. That would have changed the whole collection uh, complexion of the game. Cooks wide open. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, but <laughs> sometimes, you know, you'd rather be lucky than to be good. So they, yep. they got the lucky drop there, but they did keep the Texans out of the end zone. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I thought this defense, a lot more pressure. I thought, you know, Evro came out and, and did some really good things. DJ Jones showed you what he could be yep. on that big third and two, making that stop. Showed you that he could extend and, and shed and, and run down the line and go make a huge play for this football team. I like how creative they got. Little NASCAR package mm-hmm. had Baron Browning, um, Greg, uh, Randy Gregory, Bradley Chubb, uh, Draymond Jones, and um, DJ Jones out there all at the same time where you are rushing Baron Browning from an inside linebacker position, but com- you know, coming off the, the, the line of scrimmage. So mm-hmm. he was backed up a little bit. So I love how they're finding ways to create pressure on longer downs and distance. This is, but I, I, I don't love the fact that the run game. I thought Houston, you know, that, that guy Pierce, he was running the heck out of that rock, and he was coming with a full set, head of steam. But I, I do believe that this defense showed a lot more, that they could generate pressure. So there were some good things for this defense showing that they could generate some pressure, but you got to clean up the tackling. Mm-hmm. We got to not allow a guy to come in here and average 4.6 yards of carry and just be the hammer and running through you back to back 11 yard runs. You got to find ways to limit those things. 
But yes, I thought this defense for a short week turned it around, not allowing Houston to get in the end zone. You know, all the field goals in the world, you could have those because you're expecting this offense to be better. I thought the defense shut one out yesterday and had a great day. Yeah, it was a good day for the defense. Like I said, Draymond stepped up. Uh, Randy Gregory with the strip sack, another uh, turnover play from him. Uh, something he's done a number of times in his career. Do that again. It's it's nice when you've got a defender out there who constantly has that on his mind. Uh, sometimes defensively, you're so worried about making the tackle. You're so worried about your assignment. Sometimes it, I thought it, I thought all it was like, hey, you, you make the tackle and just swipe down. I thought that's all they taught you guys. Hey, you got to make now, the tackle and swipe with the outside hand. The, the emphasis on stripping the ball from the quarterback that didn't come in until about halfway through my career. So I was an old dog trying to learn new tricks. So when I broke free of the offensive tackle, I made my move on the guard, and I was, you know, honing in on the quarterback. My thought was just get the quarterback down or hit him as hard as I could, and it wasn't. Yeah, that's back in the day when the quarterbacks didn't have no protection. Right, right? You just lay him up. <laughs> yeah, and if I could hit you with my helmet and your helmet, then I was even better because that's how the game was played. But as time has gone on, the, the hit of the quarterback has become less a part of it as far as than more so taking the football from the quarterback. So Randy Gregory grew up in an era where that was emphasized from the time he was little. Um, and clearly he has a skill set for that. I still like to see more activity out of Randy and Bradley Chubb as outside backers. Chasing plays they were, down. They were from, getting, okay, chasing the plays down. Because they were getting close. I, feel, I yeah. know that they only had three sacks on the day last night, but right. there were some really, really close ones. You're seeing Mills just say, the heck, we're trying to hand the ball to the running back. I'm just going to go run. Right. Because they, that, like, the Broncos defenders were in the backfield where they could almost take the handoff from him mm-hmm. on a couple plays. Now, they're definitely getting in the backfield. I think they're, the, the pass rush penetration part of the edge game is good. I just want them to be more active. You know, eight tackles. And that's just a matter of running. Yeah. It's just a matter of running. Yeah, yeah, I Effort. know. I know I've set the edge, but now go run and go make a tackle, man. Cause that Pierce dude is running over your DBs. So he's <laughs> carrying Draymond Jones for two yards to go get a first down. Right. So the more guys we can get to the ball, the better off we could be. Again, I know, I know, Texters. My linebacker standards are always going to be incredibly high. And is everybody going to meet the standard? No, because that's how, why you set a high standard as a goal out there. I want to see these guys having seven, eight tackles a game, not three or four. Uh, getting pressures is great. The strip uh, by Randy Gregory was tremendous. I love it all. Now let's add some some running to it. Let's add some some numbers to that where you are an effective defender all over the field. Uh, we did not even get into... Caden Stearns and him stepping up for Justin Simmons. Uh, let's talk about that when we come back. The communication on the back end of the defense. We had some question marks about that with Justin Simmons being out. Didn't look like that was an issue. That's next for Big O and I. Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.